0: you or someone you love have scoliosis, are you wondering what's next? What is life going to be like from now on? Or is this even a big deal? Hi, my name is Dave Butler and welcome to the Scoliosis Experience. We are here to talk with real people, both patients, parents, and providers to bring hope and clarity to the road ahead. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. In today's episode, I talked to Rachel and Terry Mulvaney, who have some amazing experiences with scoliosis. They give great advice, and this episode is fantastic for anyone, no matter where they are in the journey with scoliosis. Terry has authored a book called Straight Talk with the Curvy Girls, And it's a great resource, uh, a lot of good information for anyone with scoliosis, whether that is a a child, an adult, or a parent of someone with with scoliosis. You can find Straight Talk with the Curvy Girls, the the book, at straighttalkscoliosis.com, so you can find out more information there. We also talk about the Curvy Girls support group, which is probably the biggest support group for uh, girls with scoliosis. That's that's out there. The curvy girls can be found at curvygirlsscoliosis.com and fantastic, uh, fantastic support group that those who have been diagnosed with scoliosis can go to and realize that they aren't alone and they can get really good support. We're actually looking at strengthening our support group here in Utah for those who have scoliosis here in the area. So the first time that I actually met Rachel and Terry was. Uh, in preparation for this podcast, I contacted the Curvy Girls because I wanted to to do a podcast episode with someone at the Curvy Girls, and uh, I was pleasantly surprised that I was uh, put in touch with Terry, and I was able to to talk to Terry about her experience, and then on the podcast I was able to talk to Rachel. Such a such a cool journey. Rachel has an amazing journey with scoliosis, and she is a great example of persevering and working hard through her diagnosis. And Terry has an awesome experience as a, as a parent of someone with scoliosis. She did a lot of research, a lot of work in learning about scoliosis and treatments involved. And they were really one of the, the first families to do scoliosis treatment using the Schroth method in the US. So they have a, a fantastic perspective of how scoliosis treatment has changed and how it is now. And I think we can learn a ton from this podcast episode. So here's Rachel and Terry. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm sitting here with uh, Terry and Rachel Movaney, and they have been gracious enough to, in a, a late hour of the day, meet with me and, and talk about their experience with, with scoliosis. I think they have a great perspective on how scoliosis treatment and support has changed over the past little while, and we'll get into that. I. Well, I don't really know you that well, but I got to know of you through contacting the Curvy Girls, and we'll talk more about the Curvy Girls as well. So if you want to take a second and just introduce yourselves.
1: Sure. Sure. go go ahead. ahead. Okay. (laughs) My name is uh, Terry Mulvaney. I am the parent advocate for the Curvy Girls Foundation.
2: And my name is Rachel Mulvaney. I am her daughter. I am the founding member and vice president of Curvy Girls Scoliosis Foundation.
0: Fantastic. I, I love that. And I, I have known of curvy girls ever since I started getting into scoliosis specific exercise. And I, I think it's a fantastic group. So we'll talk quite a bit more about that as we, as we get into this, but maybe first tell us how you got introduced to scoliosis.
2: So I was diagnosed at nine um, from my school nurse. I was Not expecting when I had walked in, I just saw my classmates, they were just getting lollipops bent over and then they left with a smile. And then when I was next in line for my Adam's bending test, the nurse lifted my shirt and she gasped because she saw the curvature and I didn't understand at the time what that meant. But I left with the lollipop, still confused. And um, I handed the letter to my mother and we then were sent for x-rays. And then I think there was something that shifted with our insurance where we just lost touch with our orthodontist. orthopedic surgeon. And then by 11, my curves just progressed from, I think at the time it was 17 or 16 degrees. yeah, too. And then it was 35. So I was then prescribed a brace. I wore a Boston back brace for 16 hours a day for about three years. And, um, I met Leah Stoltz, who's the founder of Curvy Girls went in 2006 as well in physical therapy. And that's really a quick little synopsis of my scoliosis background.
0: That's interesting. You said that the nurse gasped when she when she saw that. Yes. <laughs> well, made you a little concerned
1: yeah I can follow up with that Dave I actually got a phone call from the nurse after she gave her the note and she wanted to strongly strongly emphasize she needed to get to a doctor immediately and scoliosis was the very first time I actually heard of that condition I I kind of knew a little bit about it, but not to so the, the panic that I actually heard in her voice. So I immediately uh, reached out to my pediatricians and they kind of like dismissed the nurse's reaction because they said, oh, this happens all the time. So we ended up, um, you know, getting the next appointment, not like, you know, like as a rush appointment. We ended up just going at like the following week and he, they just said, well, yeah, she should see an orthopedic surgeon. And I was like, how did this go from not a big deal until like, yeah, she should see a surgeon. Uh, but she had about, a, I believe, a 16 degree curve, they said. And then, you know, we went to the surgeon's office and then it was like, we don't do anything at this point. We wait. So right. I was happy. I like that word. As a parent, we like that word in the beginning. But as the time went by, I definitely realized, you know, that we could have done other things if we had the knowledge that we have today at a 16 degree curve.
0: To most orthopedic docs and, and primary care docs, 16, 17 degrees is something that they don't really do anything with.
1: No, Mm -hmm. no. Even for the most part today, that is still the protocol.
0: Right. And, and we're trying to change that a little bit, but it's a, it's a tough thing to change. Tell us about what treatment you received, Rachel. You, you mentioned being in a, bra- in a Boston brace for three years. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything else that you did?
2: Well, I was in severe back pain. I should note that. That was what prompted us to even see another doctor when I was yes. 11. Yes. I was in, um, I couldn't walk long distances, standing, sitting. I just was, I asked her also to just one day, I can you just run my back? So that was when we took that initial step to Go back to the doctors, but we did try some generic physical therapy. I believe at one point I tried chiropractic care. Um I
1: I tortured her. I took her everywhere. Yeah. I she went to acupuncture, she went to chiropractors, she went to physical therapists, she's seen a whole therapist everything to Mm -hmm. get this, you know, her pain subside or just to stop the curve from progressing. Mm -hmm. Um because that's when I realized, you know, it was like Rachel mentioned is when she asked me to rub her back. And so when I pulled up her shirt and I could literally see when she bent over the differences of her, her spine, one was elevated, one was collapsed. And I realized, Oh, this, that word scoliosis, <laughs> we better get back to the doctors. And um, you know, we ended up going back, but at that point it was at 35 and, and back in 2006, 40 degrees is when they did this surgery so she told me mom prepare yourself she's heading for surgery because she had a zero riser and we know what that meant is that she had years left of growth remaining and I had no choice you know we, I did cry you know by you know trying to hold back the tears she didn't understand what it meant she's asking the doctor you know, all these questions, what does that mean? What do I need to, what is a brace and tell them what the explanation of what you told you, she
2: said, think of a turtle, you will be embracing the spirit of a turtle where you have a hard shell on, and that is going to be your protective case around your back. So it's there in guiding you to be healthy and to keep this corrected and keep things, you know, status quo. Right. So So, I can go straight. Yep. So I was told to be a turtle and that's what I embraced. (laughs) I was a turtle.
0: (laughs) That's an interesting description. And (laughs) yeah, how did that make you feel? Did you feel like a turtle when you were in the brace?
2: I I did not like the brace. I loved dancing. And that was something that was very difficult for me to, at one point I had to stop because it was just, I was in too much back pain Mm -hmm. and no one understood at the time what was causing the pain because the same answer I was received over and over again was there's no such thing as pain with scoliosis. And then the worst part Mm -hmm. was I would have the doctors with me in the room, look at my mother and say, Oh mom, she's got you wrapped around her finger. She just wants attention. Seriously. Yes. So it left quite an emotional toll on me when that was the dialogue. Because, and I'm so grateful that my mother just believed me. And she was like, if my daughter says she's in pain, she's in physical pain because she knew if I couldn't dance, that was a big um, catalyst and a big issue that we had to address. So she was very resilient in wanting to find answers with me. So I still, I was very fortunate that the back brace did work for me for the most part. My curve was stable the three years, but when I got out of my brace, um, my 30, I think it was when we was discharged, I a think 30, it was 30. 33. Mm-hmm. And then within a year, my curve just kept progressing. I was in so much more pain than ever before, because now for the first time, I don't have my turtle shell to, um, keep me in that corrected upright position. So my body started to naturally pull into gravity's pull. I was collapsing into my curves my curve then progressed to 42 degrees. So now at this point and my pain, just absolutely escalated. escalated. So mm-hmm. this actually in this process. My mother- right. And this
1: is what was my catalyst because I was trying
2: to, through my research,
1: we were writing a book for the first book, Straight Talk with the Curvy Girls. Um, and my goal was to just share the girls' stories so that all parents and, and young girls reading the book feel like they were not alone in how they were feeling. I wanted their, theirs themselves to be validated. And that's what the goal was for them sharing their stories. As the research developed in her pain, I started to look for alternative treatments and I happened to be Googling and I found the Schroth method and I found therapist, Beth Jansen, and she had just started the clinic and all of her certifications that she was bringing into Wisconsin from, you know, Spain And I was just said, okay, let me go. Because what what resonated me mostly with her was that Beth was a physical therapist and she had a son with scoliosis. So for her to seek out and leave the country to get help for her son, that meant like, and had such positive results, that was enough for me to make a phone call because now she was living in everyday pain and now they're talking surgery. Mm -hmm. When I spoke with Beth, And I told her about everything that she was going through. She said, bring her to me, you know, and, but I had to commit, I had to commit two weeks there because if I wanted this to see if this, if this was going to be in the book, it had to prove that this would make a difference. I didn't need to have her numbers reverse. I just wanted the pain to stop for her. Mm -hmm. That was my main goal for her. And we, so we went there, we went there for two weeks straight. You know, back then, I don't know what the training is today. Cause it was a while ago. Um, the training, we were at two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, five days a week. But on the third day, tell them what happened.
2: My pain began to dissipate. I was very surprised just by learning my pelvic corrections. I was assigned five for my three curves and I was I first of all, I was furious going for two weeks. I was not excited. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, a two week vacation, that's fun. Then it's to Wisconsin for my scoliosis. I'm like, that's not fun. That's not but, fun. <laughs> so I was truly in awe. I really didn't think it was going to work. But I also, like my mother, I was just desperate to find something that would be a positive impact for my scoliosis because I was not comfortable with the idea that if I had surgery, no one could guarantee me that this would get rid of my back pain that was you know my main concern just as it was my mother's but i was very surprised and i remember too as my journey in wisconsin had progressed there's mirrors as you know they're surrounding us so we can visually see what's going on so we can understand where to take our deep breaths in as they're tapping on our backs And I couldn't physically feel internally the changes that my mother and everyone was going, Oh my God, that's great. Keep going. Hold that breath Mm -hmm. in slowly release. I didn't, I couldn't feel it. And I was getting very frustrated. I think by like the second week early in, and I remember Beth just gently put her hands down my spinal column. And that was the first time I felt someone not touch my back in a zigzag motion. And that to me, I just, I just I had tears in my eyes. I was so shocked and surprised that that was the first time because I, I, scoliosis takes more on a patient and I can, than it does just physically. It's an emotional roller coaster at times because back then, the standards for beauty and what it means to feel beautiful, it's just, it's just horrible, really poorly constructed idea of what it should be It was perfect figure. And here I am having, you know, my ribs sticking out one way, my upper torso swung over to the right. My hips were towards the left. So for me, I felt very insecure, but to feel like something was not only helping me out of pain, it was helping this condition. And that really just made the world of difference. I didn't care what the numbers were anymore. I didn't care really my image. It was just the fact that, wow, this is actually going to work. And much to my surprise, eight months of me consistently doing my exercises five days a week, my 42 degree curve had gone down to 30 degrees. And then a few years later, my curve went again down to 22 degrees. So I had about a 50% reduction just with Shroth post bracing, skeleton matured. And that truly, I'm so grateful. I shared all of this information with my curvy girl members.
1: Because we were actually the first, just to remind you, we were the first family to to find this type of conservative exercises. And I was very honest with Beth. I told her, I said, if this doesn't work, it will not be in the book. Because I had also interviewed many other people that I'm not going to mention that didn't make the book because I found it not to be viable. And so I felt that we had a responsibility because we are parents. That's foremost, Robin and I, Robin Stoltz, the founder's daughter, who we wrote these books. And our main purpose was to help parents like us not get pulled in by all the the garbage you get sold on the media, these quick fixes that just don't exist, but we fall prey to because we're vulnerable and we want to help our children, especially if they're in pain. So this, this type of exercises, was huge for me and um, I couldn't wait to share it with the world. And what better way was to put it in our
0: book. That's awesome. And yeah, no pressure on Beth there with, uh, <laughs> if it doesn't work, you're not making it in the book.
2: <laughs> she was a great sport.
0: <laughs> oh, she, she's awesome. I love Beth. She, she's amazing. That is such a cool, cool story. And to have your curve reduced that, that far, that took a lot of work. It took yeah. a lot of, a lot of training. And how was that? Like, how did you stay motivated to do that?
2: It kept me out of pain. That was my only incentive. And I, I was, and then the more I did it, the more I felt very connected with my body. I felt the changes. I was starting to visually see it. I got to see, cause we ha- we also bought the mirrors. We have the wallboard as you can see right behind us. Right. <laughs> this is my shawth room. <laughs> so, um, so for me, as I had the mirror surrounding, I started to see my spine straighten. It just, I was so empowered because for the first time I felt like I was taking control back of my own body, and that was something that I didn't realize a part of me had lost when I was diagnosed. I was told you have to wear a brace, you have to, you know, be in this for sixteen hours a day. You're, I went to how many appointments, you know, a week? Oh my gosh, so many. So it, the fact that this was something I was doing for myself at sixteen, it was so empowering, and that's something that. I I wouldn't have replaced any other um, experience with it. Really, was instrumental with my growth um, personally. Um, my medical diagnosis of scoliosis it led me to work in the medical field. So it really it came full circle for me.
0: That's awesome. And I think with your background as a dancer to to feel out of control with your body, like that you didn't have control of that, that must have been very very challenging, very difficult, and to mm-hmm. feel like you could take that control back was, sounds like very empowering for you.
2: It was, it absolutely was.
0: That's awesome. So do you still do your Shroth exercises?
2: Sometimes I do actually. I mean, I'm 27 now. I just finished my master's degree, so I really didn't have time to do a lot of things for myself. Um, I will not say how many times I went to the gym this year, but it wasn't a lot. (laughs) But I do keep my bean bags with me. I do. I actually constantly do my shroth breathing. I, I should say, say that. that. I yeah. don't this even realize. Always,
1: she doesn't. It's just second nature. She is sitting there, and I know. Other people might know, not know, but I know. This girl is breathing. She is moving her. You know, she's putting herself in her positions just by sitting there. Everyone thinks that she's had spinal fusion surgery. She's got mm-hmm. the best posture because she's always in her correction. So she when she says, I might not be exercising, she might not be hanging on the wallboard, but she is exercising.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm always in my pelvic corrections. Even when I stand to this day, my right foot is slightly behind my left foot. I always wear my shoulders, everything. So it just it became second nature because our bodies we it's muscle memory. And I did it so consistently that it just became second nature to me. I don't even think about it. So Yes, I do still do my exercises. And,
0: and that is where we want to get all of our patients to. That is exactly where the muscle memory kind of takes over and you do it automatically. But mm-hmm. it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of practice. And,
1: and I, we do try to tell parents, you know, because Rachel and I have hosted new families coming into this room. And um, they have watched her do it, you know, her exercises. She gives explanations on what she's doing at all time. But we always remind them if they wanted to learn to play an instrument, if they wanted to be a great pianist, they are not going to just do that in a second. They're going to have to learn the chords. They have to know keys. It's a lot, you know, even if you were to do a sport, if you want to be the best baseball player, you have to, you know take a lot of strikes in order to hit that ball correctly, you know, eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the same philosophy. So we always want to remind these kids that not to give up. And if they sort of lose their way, it doesn't mean they're going to stay 11 and 12 forever. At 15, they might say, you know what, I'm going to go back on that wall, but I remember these exercises and they're going to come back to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just, it's hard. It is a very hard thing. But our goal is to just educate and give these families the information that they never had, and right. that is the, our whole mission. You know, we are so tired. You know, when we talked about um, well, when we think about why we write wrote these books, is that for so long our parents they blame themselves when they come to our meetings and when they hear all this information. It's like, why didn't I do more research? Why wasn't I told this? Why did I let her curbs get out of control? And we they inherit this blame game that we're just trying to stop because we're human. We make mistakes with our kids and, you know, but this, these, the book that we write, we're writing and we, you know, that it's been um, published is to help these families make the best choices for these kids. Because at the end of the day, this is a lifelong condition and these are tools they're going to need for the rest of their life.
0: Well, and really, the medical system and the internet, the deck is kind of stacked against them, where it's not easy to find that information, you guys had to search a lot for that information, you had to do a lot of trial and error. And it's not easy to find that information. And and I see parents blame themselves as well. Like, how did I not know about this? Or how did I not know, Mm -hmm. not to waste time on this. But it's it's tough because where, where do you go to find that? So I, I love that you guys have a, a resource that parents and kids with scoliosis can go to, to kind of tease through all that stuff. Cause there's a lot of stuff out there. Oh yeah. Was it frustrating as you were searching? Well, it sounds like it was frustrating when you were searching for different treatment techniques, just for the pain to go through general PT, massage, chiropractic, And did you feel like no one really understood what was going on and how to affect it? I mean, tell us about that a little bit.
1: Oh, absolutely. They did not understand it because most of the medical professionals, even the physical therapists, they were very honest. They said, you know what? Um, Our education for scoliosis was maybe a page in our books.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: We We didn't get a lot of information. So they were very honest and whatever I always felt bad for her because she sometimes left in more pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I literally had to plead with her to trust me one last time. That was our deal. If this trip to Wisconsin didn't work, I would leave it alone. And we would look at surgery for the first time seriously. And um, you know, I was very blessed to find an orthopedic surgeon who did not feel that um, she had have surgery right away. He didn't like the fact that her curve had jumped, but he says, we have time. He knew about the book. He was in our first book. And what I loved about John Labiak was the fact that he was, he was a conservative doctor. He goes, I, what I can fix if her curve went to 50 degrees, it would be the same if it was, you know, I can correct for a 40 degree curve. I don't have to do it now, Terry. Take her to mm-hmm. Wisconsin and see what happens. I'm excited to see what, what comes out of this. Mm-hmm. And he was just so happy that he, he basically thanked us yep, he did. for showing him that a skeleton, she was skeletally mature having these uh, these numbers reversed, something that we were told never was possible. Mm-hmm. So again, our goal yep. was never to change the number, it was to get her out of pain. Anything else was really a bonus
2: yeah, for us. Very unexpected.
0: Well, and that's a big bonus to have it, have it go down like that. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's still, I still hear all the time, orthopedic physicians talk about oh there shouldn't be pain with scoliosis it doesn't cause pain and we should we we won't see a reduction in the curve and it, you know those things are not empowering to patients and they're right. not helping helping the cause and it sounds like you had a great orthopedic surgeon that you had teamed up with for that yeah. that's awesome
1: he was very open minded to it and i i did ask him i said how did she change this so much? What did, what changed in her x-ray and he circled um, on her spine, like the T12. He goes, she literally shifted that with the power of her breathing and that altered her curve. And I went, okay, now I understand. He goes, she constantly, and she would have, I would call these magic shows (laughs) where she literally would (laughs) let me see her back. And I could, I don't have to touch it. She, you could see it just move. Yeah. She was able to literally move her spine in a straight position. And I, we, no one could believe it. You know, that's how much she was doing it. It was, it was very empowering for her. And I think it did a lot for you. Oh yeah. Uh, confidence too. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, too bad. This isn't a video podcast and we can't have a magic show today. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for another time. You've, uh, talked a little bit about the the books that you guys have written tell tell me more about it tell us the the names tell us what they're about how people can access them uh yeah
1: all right so we have straight talk with the Kirby girls which was our first book that was released in 2013 Mm -hmm. then we realized as time was going by and we saw a shift Come more and more people were getting on board with three-dimensional bracing. And they were talking about the CS approach. CS approach was also, I got, I was lucky enough to meet Dr. Negrini in Italy, in um, Spain. I'm sorry, at one of the SoSort um, conferences. And I reached out to him and he agreed to participate in our books, because I knew that a lot of the therapists in the U.S. were being certified under his treatment. So whatever was going to have access in Europe and was bringing to the US, I wanted people to know about it in these books. When we saw all the changes start to happen, I wanted to update the books. And one of the biggest things we had asked is that people asked for more variety of information from surgeons across the country. So in the second book, we invited not just two surgeons, we had a total of eight. And not just two orthotists. Um, one was Mike Mangino from Bay Orthotics in, on Long Island and Comac here, and um, Grant Wood from Align Clinic. We invited Luke uh, Skytleather, Leather, um, National Scoliosis Center in Fairfax, Virginia, and then um, Jim Wynn, who represents the Boston um, Brace Company, and I believe they're located in Massachusetts. So we, we really brought in the whole um, book to get a different spectrum from all these professionals because the biggest thing we would hear is like, why does everyone have a different opinion on how many hours they have to be in the brace? Or why doesn't everyone behind the exercises? So these are questions that we made, we actually put out to these um, professionals and we were able to get answers from and, and we were very happy. To see the difference of opinion, because I think that's what people need. They need to see all these why why everybody has a different answer, you know, um, and they they have their own reasonings for why they believe um, they should have surgery at this point versus this number. But and then our, our last project was um, our coloring book and activity book um, that we did, and it was really for the younger child, because I know you can't. I you mean, know, this won't be seen, but so many young children come in at seven years old eight years old some of six and they don't know what scoliosis is just told they just totally have to be wearing this brace so we wanted to create a coloring activity book where they were going to be educated with the parent if they needed and explains to them their backs where they're you know how, everything that's on a um spine We identify it by having them color in their, their uh, cervical spine, the thoracic spine, their lumbar spine. It's just a fun way to teach kids on scoliosis and how to get involved with Kirby girls. You know, how a doctor and an orthotist would just say, you know, have you ever heard of Kirby girls or a doctor gives a flyer. These are all things that, um, you know, happen all the time how people learn about curvy girls and we just take them on the journey through fun activities just to reinforce you know the information they can start learning about because when they're that young it takes they're going to have this for the rest of their life you know this information and i want them to get comfortable with it i don't want these kids to be scared of it and so many times these kids are scared of a brace, they're scared of this, but now we wanna show them the braces can be decorated and we have stickers in the, there. They can, you know, in a reward chart and how to keep themselves, act, you know, uh, acclimated on how many hours they're in the brace. So we try to get them more involved in their treatment um, so that they are proud of their progress and they're part of it instead of just being, you know, do this and do that kind of routine that they, we, we make these poor children go through. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of that fear that they have is because of a lack of information, a lack of understanding of what can be done and a lack of understanding of what it is. Uh, I think it would be good for some of my adult scoliosis patients to have your coloring book so that they, you know, could understand.
1: Some of them actually are ordering them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think that's great because understanding what is going on, like we already talked about, it's very empowering to to know what's going on, and th- then know that there's something you can do about it—that you're right. ju- you're not just right at the mercy of this curve that may or may not progress. Right. So I think th- those are both great resources for the people listening to this podcast. They can that they can use to learn. You mentioned that you had interviewed a lot of uh, professionals for that—orthopedic docs, uh, orthotists—and how many did you? Interview that were not supportive of conservative treatment. Did you interview any like that? Yes, yes, um, yes. Yeah. Tell me about that.
1: <laughs> well, they the response I would get would be I tell them about it, but it's very, it's some parents find it's too much for their child, so they're already answering for a patient that. I don't even know if the question was ever posed. It's very confusing. It's not part, it should be part of the treatment for scoliosis. That is our goal. Curvy Girls has have been working since we put out our first book that when somebody gets diagnosed with scoliosis, we want them to get a script for a three-dimensional brace. We want them to give, be told to go for scoliosis specific exercises and we want them to go to the nearest Curvy Girl chapter. They have all those three supportive components. Did I say that twice? Okay, good. (laughs) 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 Um, But that to me is the most important thing is because we want to make sure they have the best choice because you and I, right, we all know that they could do everything right and still end up with surgery.
0: Yeah, they can.
1: So, but as a parent, I know I would want to exhaust all my avenues before that was the determining factor where I'd have to go with her. And that's all I want parents to have is that option to knowing everything.
0: What you said about some of those physicians that aren't as supportive, uh, you know, how they're like, well, there's this option, but, you know, a lot of people say that it's too expensive or takes too much time. Like you said, they're making the choice for the patient rather than saying, here's an option and here's the research behind it. Cause there's plenty of research behind it. Right. It's just that these physicians are are making that decision for people. And I, and I think that's what we struggle with here is a lot of the, the surgeons, they don't bring it up initially unless it's specifically asked about. And most people don't know that they should ask about it.
1: Right. And I will be honest with you. At our, I, I host the Long Island chapters, parent support group meetings. And every month we get a new family and they've never heard of scoliosis specific exercises. What, wait, there's <laughs> more than one type of brace? What? I thought my daughter was, brace was failing her, but you mean I could try a different type of brace? So that to us, is the power of peer support. That's all we want. We want to just share this information with these families so they know they have more than one avenue to pursue.
0: Fantastic. I totally agree with you. Uh, Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with curvy, Curvy Girls?
2: So as I mentioned earlier, I met Leah in physical therapy in 2006. I was 11. And I initially was pretty shy back then. And then when she said, hey, listen, I'm thinking of starting a support group do you want to join? I didn't even really grasp what she was saying. I just saw she had a back brace and I never saw another person with a back brace before that I had. So I was very excited to start. And it was immediately this collaborative effort in trying to understand how to navigate our journeys with scoliosis. It was just four of us sitting in a backyard and we were talking about how to dress with the brace. We were so frustrated with having holes in our shirts and ruining our older siblings' shirts and, I'm um, trying to figure out, you know, how do we just fit in? How do we just pick up a pencil and not make it look like an entire show of embarrassment in school? And yeah. that was just having that commonality. And that, even though a lot of them at the time had surgery and I was still bracing, we all had this commonality of scoliosis. And that was such a Comfort to have. I mean, these were girls we were accepting, and we still are. And that's we embrace each other, we support one another. And my favorite part of all with Kirby girls is I've gotten older um, because I did take over the chapter when Leah went off to college. I ran the Long Island chapter. And Just seeing that, you know, sometimes as being a leader, I would step back and let the other members encourage a new girl to talk about their back brace, how to tell their friends about their back brace, do a school presentation. Maybe you don't want to hide your brace. Why don't you wear it over your clothes? That's a beautiful brace design. You should, the dialogue that you hear from the girls who were once crying hysterically of their diagnosis to then empowering and trying to have a girl say, listen, you fell seven times, stand up eight. And that is something that truly has just been such a, a beautiful experience to grow up with. And as Curvy Girls expanded, we now have over hundred chapters in 22 countries. It's just something that I'm very proud to be a part of. And seeing that this is something that goes beyond just wanting to address scoliosis. We talk about preventative care. We talk about emotional support, mental health. These are things that it's, it's, it's truly an incredible experience to be a part of. And I, I couldn't be truly more grateful that my diagnosis happened for me, not to me.
0: And you were able to, to start with curvy girls at kind of the inception of curvy yeah. girls, mm-hmm. which is, is awesome. If someone's looking to join a curvy girls chapter or something like that, what, how would they go about doing that?
2: So if they wanted to see if there was a nearby chapter, um, they would just go online to a www.curvygirlsscoliosis.com. And there's two S's um, between scur- girls and scoliosis. And then on the homepage, it'll say groups and it can show and uh, break it down by USA versus international leaders. And if there is not one chapter near them, you can always start one. You just email info at curvygirlscoliosis.com and we will put you in touch with the right person to just, we'll just ask you some questions just to see um, why you want to run the support group. Are you able, like not are you able to, but are you comfortable in doing this? Is this a responsibility you want to participate in? And it's it's just such an exciting thing to see, truly.
0: What does a, a chapter meeting look like? Like what type of support can someone expect when they join a chapter, they go to, to visit a chapter meeting or something like that. What tell us what that's like?
2: So the first thing is the girls and the parents meet separately. The parents have their own support group. The girls are in their uh, in another room, so we have more free comfortability. Say my mom just doesn't understand, or my <laughs> father just doesn't um, let me take the brace off, or something like that, where the girls can be more you know freely spoken. But we. I always just do this warm welcome where we introduce ourselves. We say a little fun fact about ourselves, where we are with our scoliosis journeys. You know, it's, we talk about an array of a variety of conversations, whether it's, I'm nervous of, you know, how to wear it to school. I'm nervous what my peers are going to think, or I have this question I want to ask my doctor, but I feel like they talk to my parents more than me. Should I even bother speaking up? So we would even try to create different scenarios of how to boost your confidence in talking to the um, orthopedic surgeon or telling your orthotist, listen, this right here, this brace is too tight and it's poking in and it's making my skin red and uncomfortable. You know, speaking up and advocating for yourself is another big part of our conversations that we have during these monthly meetings. Um, When I was running the chapter also, I would take the girls shopping on how to dress with their brace. If a girl had surgery, we would all um, take turns visiting that girl in the hospital. It's really a—it's a community. A, yeah, it's a community. It's—it's it's mm-hmm. a wonderful community. There are no cliques. No,
1: there are no. Um, it's just one commonality, and that is to you know uh, to help one another.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what I I cannot emphasize what I think is the best part of you know being part of Curvy Girls.
2: Mm-hmm. And this is nothing that we don't get paid for this. No one gets paid for this. This is truly just out of the goodness of our hearts where we just want to help others. When Leah started Curvy Girls, she wanted to connect with more people. And then as it grew, we just really, me, Leah, my mom, and Robin, we just wanted to give back to what we didn't have at the time when we needed it. And now to see that it's just this continuation of, kindness it's that a, keeps a domino effect. Yes. I would call it a domino
1: effect of, of just constantly what we've done for someone else. Um, someone else is doing mm-hmm. for the, that next person. Um, I've seen in, in the parent support groups, you know, one of the blessings that we have because not every, um, support group throughout the world is able to have a parent support group and the kid's room. Sometimes a parent there cannot do it. So, For the most part, there are, but it doesn't always exist in every Mm -hmm. chapter. But in our situation on Long Island, you know, this is the time when the parent will actually be vulnerable. They've been holding it in. And, you know, we always have that box of tissue because they know it's not cancer, right? But it's, they're just feeling so scared that they don't have, this is something they don't understand that they can't fix. Mm -hmm. And when, as a parent, we all know, whether it's scoliosis or any health condition, we want to fix our kids. We want to make them all better. And this is something we're not able to do.
0: You you don't want them to have to go through life dealing with something like this. And, Mm -hmm. And I think the support for the parents, not that it's more important than the support for the kids, but it's very powerful for parents to talk to each other about this stuff. I've seen that in my, my practice as well. So Rachel, you, you had mentioned before that when you met Leah, you were just excited that you knew someone else that was braced. Before that, and maybe even a little after that, did you feel like you were the only one dealing with
2: this? Beforehand, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I did not know anybody in my school. The timing of me getting my back brace couldn't have been worse. We had just moved to a new school district in a new house. So I knew no one in my classes. So I, I especially felt very isolated. I was even told I was depressed by my pri- um, primary care, uh, no man pediatrician, I should say. And because I just was very withdrawn, I was in a lot of pain and no one knew how to give me answers to it. So it was very difficult, but after curvy girls, I felt more at ease with my scoliosis. I mean, I still had my ups and downs, but knowing every month, the first Sunday of every month, I got to go to that meeting and see the girls that became really like my closest friends. That was something that I looked forward to and watching over the years as curvy girls expanded um, the chapters going internationally. um, It was just, I'm very grateful to see how this had turned out.
0: Well, and it's interesting because most girls well, a lot of, a lot of girls with scoliosis never get to the point where they really have someone that they feel like understands what they go through Mm -hmm. and little do they know, you know, that it's 3% of the population ish and guaranteed there are other kids in their school that have scoliosis. They just don't, they just don't know that and connecting them with kids that, that are dealing with the same types of things. I think that is so powerful. That's Mm -hmm. so great. Uh, What about curvy boys? What do you do with curvy boys?
2: So this is funny. So before we even were curvy girls, we, it was never intended initially to just be for girls with scoliosis, but we realized very quickly on, as we tried having boys come to the meetings, they don't want to sit in a circle and talk about their feelings. Um, So, We have always, wanted to, I know, no shocker there, <laughs> uh, but we always encourage boys if they wanted to start a support group, they can. Ultimately, it and just, we do have
1: we do have that availability yes. online to help you know for support for um, boys with scoliosis, mm-hmm. and I definitely work with a lot of the parents with boys, um, the moms. I work with them. They can they join our support groups. Um, they can come as well we have we just don't have them come to the meeting the boys Mm
2: -hmm. right
1: I know for a fact that our leaders have reached out to boys one-on-one yes and have spoken to them and corresponded with them Mm -hmm. I know you've corresponded emails and so it's they're never not addressed Mm -hmm. you know it's just it's much harder for these young boys to want to say yeah this is bothering me i need to talk about it Mm -hmm.
0: yeah most of the boys that i treat they don't like you said they don't want to sit around in a circle and talk about their feelings (laughs) So,
1: And, and then to be honest i mean i think leah has said you know we talk about in the second book you know you know she gets into more about why the there are no boys in the groups and ultimately you know we knew it would change the dynamic because girls are going to start talking about you know their periods and what how does it feel with their if they start developing and how the brace is going to be towards their breasts all these topics would never probably be able to be talked about Mm -mm. if there was a young boy sitting in that room
0: right i totally agree with that and and i think the way it's set up is is great and provides support for for these girls and you know girls are diagnosed more than more than boys and so uh, not that boys don't need support, but I think it is very specific to the the girls. I think it's great. Uh, so maybe let's uh, kind of an overview. Rachel, what what uh, advice would you give someone who's just barely diagnosed with scoliosis?
2: Um, I would always advise to join a local curvical support group.
1: Ironically, I would have said the support group is number one it's most important other than my book (laughs) our books are (laughs) very helpful yes (laughs) um you know one thing we didn't talk about with the books is is that it does you know it's been called a resource book and um because it they can go into the doctor's office Dave and they can ask their questions because we give them what to ask the author test what to get from the doctors because they were never thought to ask well what's my child's rotation you know How, what should I, how do I prepare for surgery? You know, what are the important parts of, um, you know what's normal on fitting a brace and not normal. So yeah, the most important thing for us is to find a support group. And I think, yeah, ordering one of our books without sounding too pushy is um, (laughs) is probably the best thing. We wrote this for every family. Mm -hmm. you know, who is newly diagnosed or who's gone through the treatment and they, they, there's always something for them to, to learn about. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and I wouldn't feel bad at all pushing that book because I, the more information and the more experience they can get with that, like you said, the better they can ask questions of their providers and -hmm. the better treatment they can get. I, I think that is a fantastic suggestion.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for answering that for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, while we're talking about the book, how does someone acquire the book?
1: Well, they can definitely go to info at straytalkscoliosis.com, and that brings you right to the website and they can order the books from there.
0: Um, awesome.
1: Yeah, so that's, you know, we have internet, we also deliver internationally.
0: That's great. I, I'm excited to get more books in the hands of kids who and parents who can benefit from that. So maybe if I ask Terry you, you another question, what kind of like what I asked Rachel, what advice would you give parents of kids who have been diagnosed with scoliosis?
1: Not to be afraid to change doctors, to change hmm. race, to even if the you're with a, a physical therapist that you find that you're not getting, it's not working, change. There's no harm. As I said, the curvy girls um, were very great resource for helping parents, guiding them. I've done that as a parent advocate. I've always received emails on, you know, I I live here. Can you recommend a physical therapist? Um, Do you know this physical therapist? I personally, if um, I usually put down someone that I know is reputable, that is following the Um, criteria of how these exercises should be taught. I don't want any watered down versions of these exercises. So that's the most important thing I would want parents to be aware of. These exercises can work, but if you are going to someone who's giving you the really great deal on these exercises, make sure you're getting the, the quality time that these kids should be having because they should not be watered down. That is my biggest concern is that this is a viable exercise. And if we don't have professionals teaching this the way it's meant to be taught. We're never going to change the, the future of the way the treatment should be. And if we want the treatment to be uh, in the future for scoliosis to incorporate scoliosis specific exercises, whether it's the Regal Method, the Thea's Approach, or a Schroth Method, we have to do it the way it's meant to be
0: taught. And, and I totally agree with that. Obviously, you're preaching to the choir when you talk to me about that, but... It's when you say watered down approaches, I, I do hear physical therapists occasionally saying, well, I know some Schroth things that I've been doing with them. Right. And yeah. I'm like, sorry, what, what <laughs> you've been trained in Schroth? No, I haven't been trained. They, write, and,
1: they read a book, they'll read a book and they say, they think they know. Right.
0: And, mm-hmm. and it's, I think that's one of the biggest dangers because the more watered down it gets, the less effective it gets. And right. then we're not seeing the results, and then it never becomes standard of care. I
1: think it's and I think
0: that is a, a huge risk in, mm-hmm. in that kind of mentality and not standardizing that approach. So I'm glad you said that. That's actually fantastic.
1: Well, it's an important point because we see it all the time through the years when parents tell me what they learned during their child's session, and it makes me very sad. Because yeah. it should not have been taught that way.
0: Right. And the cool thing is the, we, we have a lot of providers of Schroth method uh, or Rego method or SIAZ approach around the country now. And there's uh, most people live within, you know, somewhat short distance of someone who practices that, but having them find them is, is challenging sometimes, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that
1: would be my biggest advice is to not be afraid to, to change. Change yeah. is, you know, we, I would, I've done that. It took me, it is hard. I'm not going to lie that it is hard to, especially if you like the person that's what we get the most They They tell us, but he's such a nice person. I don't <laughs> <fix feelings."
0: laughs> All right. Okay, cool. Do you guys have any books in the works?
1: No, this is it. This is. <laughs> All
0: right.'
1: taken a long time to produce um, years really, because I've had such a large range of professionals. In the oh, book, yeah. we also talk about, you know, schools on how to advocate for your schools, whether they're in elementary school, high school, college, we, we want parents to know all their rights in that field as well. And we talk about the importance of EOS and low radi, low radi uh, radiation. Thank you. Spit that out. <laughs> um, and again, that's something parents still have never heard of,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know? So yeah. these are things that we cover in the book. We talk about um, fusionless surgeries. That's big today. And I just uh-huh. want to put that out there, what that means, you know, and, what the true protocols are, because there are no true guidelines. Every doctor can do a, a VBT based on how, how they feel fit to do it. And someone like Triners, they might have a different protocol. Um, so we, we just make sure that we covered everyone because there, there's going to be plenty of surgeries. And when you're ready for surgeries, there are, many, there are several options. You can go fusionless. You can go, you know, fusion. And, or what they have now is the Apifex is another big uh, fusionless surgery. So we just wanted parents in this book to have all the information they, they could uh, need in order to move forward with their child's scoliosis journey.
0: Well, you definitely did your research and that's, that's awesome. And I appreciate that. Any last advice or, or thoughts before we sign off?
2: I know in my, in the book, we talk about Lee and I had both separately written messages for mm-hmm. scoliosis patients. And one of the messages that I always wanted to emphasize is that the degree value that you were diagnosed with, if you have 42 degree curves, that number does not define you. I know for myself at one point during my Stroth experiences, I was very hyper fixated on the curve degree. I was very concerned of my curve progressing, and that was something that is Often a common theme in our uh, scoliosis support group meetings is, oh, I'm so scared of whether my curve is going to increase. Did I fail bracing? Did I do this? Do not blame yourself for anything that happens with your scoliosis journey. Just know that you are coming to a room with a group of people that are here to support you, no matter what the outcome is. And to not be so hard on yourself, because I think that's something that a lot of patients um, take on internally is they just really hyper fixate on the value of that curved degree, um, how that means and defines success or failure. And that shouldn't be, um, something that's, you know, brought on by ourselves. I know it's not something that, um, a doctor ever said to me or made me feel it's something that I internally just naturally felt. And I don't want someone else to feel that way. They shouldn't. That doesn't define them. I like that.
0: Well, I, I really appreciate you uh, talking with me today. I think this has been great. And I hopefully it will steer some, some kids and maybe some adults to look more into the resources that you guys have. So I appreciate that.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thanks so. for being here with me.